Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Has the news in 2021 already made it feel like the bottom is falling out of your world? Well, what won't help that is your own bottom falling out of anything, so you may as well pop it into something comfortable, and while you're on the edge of your seat watching the state of things, at least that seat will feel real, real snug. British boxers make classic and crazily comfy underwear and loungewear, from knickers to slippers, dressing gowns to PJs, boxers, face masks and, um, even dog bandanas. Well, dog's got a lounge too, right? British boxers manufacture all their products with minimal waste, all environmentally friendly-like, and pay all their workers properly for creating them too. Basically, they're a properly nice, ethically sound bunch, and my own butt would sing their praises, but let's be fair, no one wants to hear that on a podcast. Check out their range at British-Boxers.com and as a listener to the Partly Political Broadcast, and if you use the code PARPOLBRO15 when you check out, you'll get a sweet 15% off too. Yes, that's right, I'm now in the pockets of Big Pyjama, and honestly, I couldn't be more comfortable. I'll keep this brief, because that's also what they make, so head to British-Boxers.com because not everything has to be pants in a bad way. Hello and welcome to the Partly Political Broadcast, the comedy politics podcast that always sticks by the rules it makes and really wishes the first rule wasn't that the rules have to be sticky. I'm Tin and Duyeb, but as disappointing Brazil nut Matt Hancock resigned as health secretary on Saturday, I think it's great that he's finally done something to save lives. If months ago you'd said to me that the final nail in the coffin of Matt Hancock's time as health secretary would be his kissing technique so awkward and upsetting it resembled a teenage boy lobbing a dying suckerfish at a brick wall, then I'd have said, well, yes, of course it is, we live in a thoroughly broken society. But then, maybe I'm naive, for luckily having never been on the receiving end of Matt Hancock's stuttered fumbles with all the romantic qualities of a toilet brush, and perhaps his snogging is so bad that it's considered an even worse crime than policies that let a 150,000 people unnecessarily die, giving Covid contracts to friends who were so unqualified for the work it was almost a Dardaist protest, and that time he thought he could fix the social care system by making a little badge saying CARE in all caps like it was shouting at you that staff could wear in case they were wondering what was missing from government strategy. 
CCTV footage was leaked last week to the worst funeral you can give to a tree, the son, of Hancock getting off with his aide in a Whitehall office, even though, to the untrained eye, it may have just looked like some poor woman was trying to carry an old maternity pillow around a room. The footage was from over a month ago, but it was held back till last week by the unknown source, who either saw this as a perfect time to prove that actually, Matt Hancock isn't just fucking hopeless, but also useless at first and second base too. Or they just decided that this footage needed to come out because the best way to ensure people continue to remain socially distant during the rise of the Delta variant was just to put everyone off having sex for months. There are many questions to be asked about just who had access to the footage from a secure Whitehall camera and then sold it to the press, especially as it should be really easy to find the culprit on account of them being unable to stop retching ever since they'd seen it. But before we even get to that, Hancock had to take ownership for breaching the very Covid restrictions that he had helped put in place, one of which was no sex outside of established relationships. Though, I suppose to be fair to him, both Hancock and his aide were married at the time, just not to each other. The affair itself, though, isn't the concerning bit, as in 2021 you could just say that by having a mistress he was trying to be more prime ministerial. I mean, maybe Hancock had woken up that day and just wondered what he could do to save wives. Well, not his. But no, no one cares about affairs in politics anymore, and Hancock's face-hugging is nowhere up to scratch with the kinky escapades of 90s MPs, but I guess that's pure Hancock, isn't it? I mean, his idea of excitement is untucking his shirt. I could well be wrong, as someone online pointed out, as for all we know, Hancock might be secretly polyamorous, which would make sense, as his whole political life he's been fucking many things at once. But here's the important bit. The important bit is you might well ask just what it is that would attract anyone to Matt Hancock, despite him being a walking anxiety dream. And the answer, of course, is PPE contracts. Or, you know, maybe I'm just a cold cynic and really it's true love that drove the aide in question, millionaire Gina Coladangelo, with her unfeasibly small head, which may explain her attraction to Hancock with his 12 foreheads for balance, to accept £15,000 for 15 days advisory work in the Department of Health in a position where, you know, she could help allocate NHS contracts to her brother's private healthcare firm. I'm sure she didn't. I'm sure she didn't. Maybe Cola D'Angelo knew that by taking the job it meant that she could be closer to her university romance that she still so desires, but you know, just for 15 days a year, which, considering it's Hancock, still feels a bit much. The past few years, though, have shown that like many of his colleagues in government, it pays to know Matt Hancock, and it potentially pays even more to tug him off every now and then. Matt Hancock said he was very sorry, but you know, only about that one thing. And then on Friday, the Prime Minister and the aftermath of an 80s action film chase where a car drives through many boxes of live chickens, Boris Johnson, said that he'd accepted Matt Hancock's apology, even though we all know the Prime Minister first heard about his cabinet minister shagging someone on the side while giving her public money, and he no doubt just felt proud that he'd had such an influence on his colleagues. The message was that Johnson stood by Hancock, though hopefully not too close, or that'd be yet another breach. But by Saturday, the papers and several Tory MPs were calling for him to go, despite all his successes with the vaccine rollout, which, as we all know, was actually the NHS's doing, and really the only way Matt Hancock can take credit for it is by being too busy boning his pal to interfere and fuck it up. Then on Saturday, Hancock handed in his resignation to Johnson, finally going as pumpkin Jack Dominic Cummings had wanted for ages. Though Hancock did prove Cummings wrong in a way by showing that he's not as fucking hopeless as thought, because showing that members of the cabinet can be accountable for something is the first sign of hope I've seen in ages. Hancock said those who make the rules have to stick by them, so I guess it's because he didn't make the rules about the lawful tendering of government contracts that he didn't need to give a shit about those ones. 
Hancock said the last thing he wanted was for his personal life to distract attention from the single-minded focus that is leading us out of this crisis. But that is what you get when you hand all the contracts to deal with it to everyone in your personal life. That's why he's been accused of using his personal email account to conduct party business too, because his Westminster one would have had all his friends and family's emails already saved, and then he might have accidentally given contracts to someone who could actually do it. Labour leader and dysfunctional telex machine Keir Starmer, who's oddly stayed very quiet during the story about a politician having an affair, and we just can't work out why, but, but maybe someone should have asked Jenny Chapman, I'm just saying. He finally said, Starmer finally said that Hancock was right to resign, but Johnson should have sacked him first. Which is odd, because back in February, Starmer said the public didn't want Hancock to go after he'd acted unlawfully, as it wouldn't have been wise in the middle of a pandemic. I'm not sure what's happened since, but maybe Starmer's focus group on Saturday actually had some of the public in it for once, by accident or something. Boris Johnson is now saying that he did tell Hancock to resign on Saturday, even though he'd said to everyone that the matter was closed on Friday. So either he's telling porkies, or maybe he just meant closed in the same way borders were to stop variants coming in, i.e. not at all. Secretary of State for Northern Ireland and Ceramic Garden Hedgehog Brandon Lewis said that Hancock was right to quit and he was putting his family first. Really, Brandon? By leaving them for his mistress? First where? In the firing line? Hancock and Cola D'Angelo now both say they're leaving their families to move in with each other, which must be particularly galling for Martha Hancock and their children, whose hopes of getting a PPE contract are now dashed. The Met Police say they won't be investigating Matt Hancock's breach of the Covid rules because it's a retrospective issue, which I mean, all crimes are, aren't they? There's really point in calling them up and saying, I've been burgled, only to hear if you're not actively being burgled at that very minute. They can't be asked as it's passe now, so get over it. Are the Met only tackling future crimes like a low-budget minority report? Is it worth calling them up again? I guess a crime might happen some point soon? Maybe it's because more than 160 police officers were found to have breached COVID restrictions during the pandemic, either failing to self-isolate with symptoms or attending parties, and so they can't investigate Matt Hancock because it's like grassing up one of their own. Sadly, though, all of those cases with the police have now already happened, so I doubt they're going to bother looking into those either. It definitely brings a whole new meaning to the term Trojan unit. There will be an investigation by the Department of Health, though, into who leaked the CCTV footage, which, based on their success with Test and Trace, means they'll never, ever find out. Just last week, in the midst of Hancock's cock-handing, it broke that Test and Trace had lost nearly 600 million lateral flow tests, which should kill off Stuart Little star Dido Harding's chances of becoming Chief of NHS England. But in reality, they'll probably hand it to her even quicker, knowing that she can reduce the waiting list immediately by just losing all of the info of everyone on it. Then again, now her horse racing pal Hancock is gone, who's to say what will happen to Harding? Though I'm guessing that he's going to do a handover week with his successor, showing them all the ways to give lucrative contracts to pals and where best to bonk aid so the CCTV will see you and give you an easy way out. Who is the new boss at the Department of Health? Well, as is always the case with the Conservatives, you cheer the departure of an awful minister, only to find they've somehow managed to replace him with someone so bad you almost want the previous one to return. So, post-Hancock, who could be even more fucking hopeless as a health secretary? Doctor Doom? The ghost of Harold Shipman? Jeremy Hunt again? No, it's none other than featureless Mr Potato Head Sajid Javid, the man that resigned as Chancellor in February last year after he was told by Cummings that he had to fire all of his advisers. Of course, in retrospect, they probably should have been saying that to Matt Hancock. Seems Javid has no hard feelings though, unlike his predecessor, as he's come straight back to the cabinet at the drop of a mat. Who better to lead us through the end of a pandemic than a man who once dealt with the crisis by running away to Australia until it was all over? Javid has been spending his time between roles that he's not suited for, being an advisor to JP Morgan, a bank that's a major player in the private healthcare industry, so it's likely that he's going to be the sort of health secretary that, like all the others, put money before people. Well, that's pretty smart, right? I mean, how can Covid overrun the NHS if Javid's dismantled it first? 
Javid's first speech to MPs as Health Secretary had him telling them that he's honoured to take the job and he's been frustrated this past year not being able to play his part in fighting the virus. It's okay, Saj. There was already somebody in the role of totally useless Health Secretary that had it completely covered for you. As cases rise to 22,000 in England and Scotland has its highest infection rate so far, Javid said in his usual robotic speaking clock manner that there's no evidence that any of the plan needs to change and that all changes to the roadmap are irreversible, so I guess that means in a few weeks he'll be U-turning and charging at them head-on instead. Hong Kong has banned all flights from Britain as we're being classed as a high-risk country and Germany's trying to ban UK travellers to the country too. But both Johnson and Javid have said everything will be going ahead from July the 19th and it's very likely to return to pretty much life before Covid, you know, except for everyone who's since died. Covid cases in schools in England have risen 70% in the last week, meaning tens of thousands of pupils have been missing lessons in order to self-isolate. But luckily schools will be out for the summer by July the 19th, so those kids will no longer be able to spread it around their classrooms and can instead give their friends and family a go. While it seems that Covid is responsible for children losing learning, according to the Education Select Committee, it's actually terms like white privilege that are letting down poorer white students, and saying that words like that are divisive. That's true, and that's why you should say it's not just poorer white students, but all students that are being let down by white privilege, in that successive education secretaries have got their roles because of it, despite being otherwise unqualified and barely having any idea what children are, let alone how to teach them things. One way the government thought they could cheer children up, though, was by encouraging them all to celebrate One Britain, One Nation Day last Friday, even though Scottish schools had already broken up by then, but of course, no one had bothered to check. The Department of Education said Obon, which sounds like some sort of evil villain in a sci-fi, was for pupils to learn about our shared values of tolerance, kindness, pride and respect. So I really can't work out why they thought they needed a whole day. Classes were encouraged to sing a song that was written by schoolchildren but sounded like it had been created by an AI who'd been fed the words North Korea 80s charity hit and the sound of an air ventilation fan. The song contains lyrics such as We are Britain and we have one dream to unite all people in one great team which feels like the exact opposite of home office policy right down to Home Secretary and woman with all the personality of cheap car insurance Pretty Patel only having the same repetitive dream every night where she single-handedly pushes people into the sea. In fact, next week Patel will publish proposals to send asylum seekers overseas and that already happens in Australia and has resulted in a human rights disaster, so I'm worried that that's exactly what sold it to the Home Secretary. Still, with the Delta variant rising and all our many other problems right now, it'll backfire when those sent offshore are the only survivors and end up coming back to rebuild Britain. Several more countries will be added to the green travel list from this Wednesday, including the Balearic Islands, Malta and Bermuda, where you won't need to quarantine on return, probably because you'll have already been abducted by aliens or disappeared without a trace. Also on the list is the British Antarctica Territory, which many people mocked on account of it seeming like an unlikely holiday destination. But if that means that International Trade Secretary and wafer cone Liz Truss has to go there to strike up a deal with an elephant seal, then I am all for it. Exemptions may be coming in that will allow people who've had two jabs to travel, which means if we plan it right and have a snap election over the summer, all the Tory voters will be abroad and unable to vote. The government have been criticised for sending soldiers overseas before they've had all their jabs, but it does make sense as it's just going to save Britain a tonne of money on biological warfare. A bit like all those years they've not supplied soldiers with the right equipment, but that means opposing forces will be stuck with having to buy proper gear direct from the British weapons industry instead. Last Wednesday marked five years since the UK voted to leave the EU, and of course, like true Brits, rather than deal with the hangover, we've been hair of the dogging it ever since. The Prime Minister marked the occasion with a speech where he insisted Brexit will aid the country's post-Covid recovery. How? Is it like if you hurt your arm, having someone kick you in the knee makes you forget about it? 
Johnson hailed some of Brexit's successes as freeports, which we also had while in the EU from 1984 to 2012. The vaccine rollout, which has had absolutely nothing to do with Brexit. Protecting jobs in the UK by, I presume, putting them into hiding and saying they don't exist and no one can get near them. Controlling the immigration system, which we could totally do before. And signing a historic deal with Australia, though it's only really historic because it fulfills such a small amount of GDP that it would only have been a useful amount of money in Victorian times. The EU looks set to find a solution to the chilled meat ban affecting Northern Ireland's access to not warm British sausages, something they could have just overcome by being Matt Hancock's aide. Meanwhile, in the UK, EU citizens have been told they have till June the 30th to apply for settled status, but they can apply late if they've got a good excuse. I'm guessing you could just miss it and then take a leaf out of the Prime Minister's book and insist, actually, you definitely did it on time. In other news, classified Ministry of Defence documents were found at a bus stop in Kent. Typical, you wait for ages for breaches of national security and then several come at once, right? Some of the papers contained information on the HMS Defender ship that was shadowed by Russian jets and ships in Ukrainian waters last week, with Russia claiming that warning shots were fired, but the UK government saying no they weren't. But then Johnson hasn't taken notice of any warning shots given to him over the past year, so there's a high chance he just wouldn't notice and say everything was fine to go ahead. Johnson said the UK doesn't recognise Russian annexation of Crimea and that the Navy was sticking up for British values, by which he probably means going ahead without any proper plan or risk assessment. And lastly, Conservative MP and person who smiles in a way that looks like it really hurts, Joy Morrissey, is campaigning for every British person to have a portrait of the Queen in their home. Downing Street isn't backing her, but if it does go ahead, I'm hoping I can just put a first-class stamp on our bin. Shadow leader of the Commons and Edna Mode, if she had absolutely no skills, Thangam Debonair, has said that Labour wouldn't introduce free social care as it would just give the Conservatives a stick to beat them with. Yeah, why do anything the Conservatives might criticise? Because the way to get everyone to vote for you is definitely to shout, we'd do exactly the same as them we would, but you'd get different weird clueless faces disappointing you for a bit. And hey, a change is as good as a rest. If Labour did drop the pledge for free social care, that would mean that Starmer's got rid of nearly all the promises he campaigned to become leader on. Maybe he thought that being the opposition leader just meant he had to list everything he was opposed to. And in his further attempts to do all of the jobs so it stops normal people from getting them, former Chancellor and inspiration for Westworld, George Osborne, has been announced as the new chair of the British Museum. Which is perfect for him, after all of his experience of taking things away from people who needed them and claiming it was for the greater good. Ah, hey, 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 Papal Broads. Isn't it amazing that any joy at Matt Hancock resigning as Health Secretary was immediately ruined by the fact that it wasn't for all the better reasons he should have resigned and then Sajid Javid getting the job after him? I mean, how do the Conservatives even manage to ruin the joy of a cabinet minister you hate finally going? Is there anything they can't destroy the joy from? I bet even if Jacob Rees-Mogg fell down a well, we'd find out that actually he loves being in wells, that's where he thrives or something, and that champagne you opened for the occasion just suddenly wouldn't be as tasty. They ruined fucking everything. Uh, how are you getting on? You doing all right? I did a gig to a real audience uh, on Friday in Nottingham. Um, I mean, they were socially distant and all in masks, so it felt a bit like doing a corporate to ninjas if they'd let their guard down, but they were so much nicer than that. Honestly, though, I haven't felt that knackered from the come down of an adrenaline buzz since the early days of gigging. And then today, I'm also hungover because it seems the past year has totally removed any ability to say, yeah, I should probably stop there because it's just too exciting being out and having beer again. Basically, this weekend has reverted me mentally to being in my early 20s. But sadly, I'm still aged 40 and probably physically around 400 or something. So everything hurts. And I'm very tired. 
This week's show is not a proper episode, um, as yet again a guest has had to pull out the last minute as though having a real life is important or something. Uh, there's definitely guests for the next two weeks, and then the last step before a summer break may or may not be a full-sized one on July the 20th, by which point you'll all be too busy having a normal life to, to listen to a podcast, won't you? You'll be all too busy going to work properly and going out and then getting COVID and self-isolating for two weeks, and then going to work again, then going out again, then getting COVID again and self-isolating. Oh, it'll be just like the before times. So anyway, uh, all to say for this week, though, is a big thanks to Keith for joining the Patreon like a goddamn hero. And of course, if you fancy doing those levels of big time kindness, then do sign up at patreon.com forward slash parpolbro, where you will get absolutely zero extras uh, other than the knowledge that I will tell all the deities that count, um, you know, Odin and the other ones, that you're a proper goodin. Uh, of course, you can also do a one-off donation at ko-fi.com forward slash parpolbro or via the ACAST supporter button, but I will only tell the demigods about those ones. Um can't even think of any demigods. Hercules, maybe. Anyway, big thanks to all of you who've been retweeting and saying nice things about the show too, uh, especially Marie, who I feel uh, I should probably pay for PR, uh, thanks to all the nice tweets that you've done, but I, I can't afford to. So just relishing my absolute gratitude, which is, of course, totally shit for paying bills with or eating. Sorry. Uh, but thank you to all of you. Thanks to all of you who've donated and uh, tweeted nice things. You are all brilliant um also i feel like i own apology last week's guest was great but i couldn't say it on the episode in case she listened but all her recommendations to follow journalists at the spectator were terrible weren't they you know that i know that don't follow any of them they are awful i was just too polite to say it at the time also 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 uh, i've guested on the parody boris johnson podcast which was a lot of fun the episode won't actually be out till the summer um but if you're on their patreon you can hear it right now um i should say if you're on their patreon as well don't be on their patreon not on this patreon jesus be on this one first and then if you fancy it go to their one too just to check that out um and if you are then do have a listen right uh that's it it's only a little one uh, this episode and all that's left to do this week um as is tradition is this when you're ready to pop the question the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring at BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Farewell, Matt Hancock, the worst health secretary we've ever had, apart from Jeremy Hunt and Andrew Lansley and probably now Sajid Javid. 
What's been your favourite Matt Hancock moment? Was it when he said footballers had to play their part and then a week later Marcus Rashford did more for kids in poverty than he'd ever done and Hancock got all confused on telly and called him Daniel Rashford? Was it the first time that he broke coronavirus regulation rules by drinking in the Westminster lobby bar after 10pm but got away with it by just saying that he didn't even though everyone saw him? Was it when Matt Hancock tried parkour on the South Bank and made Vic and Bob's free runners look professional and sadly didn't fall onto any concrete bits face first? Was it the really creepy press-up pictures? Was it the fake tears on Good Morning Britain? Was it standing too close to the Tory candidate for Warrington or making his own app that breached privacy and security permissions? Or, you know, was it all the policies he made based on one viewing of the film Contagion that led to loads of people dying and his sisters and pals getting really rich? God, it's just so hard to choose. There's so, so many times I've had to bring up his stupid name on this podcast and describe his awful massive forehead in imaginative ways. And so, as is tradition on this show, when a cabinet minister departs or a major politician goes away, it is only appropriate to say goodbye with all of the many, many times I've given lazy ways to think of Matt Hancock's face. Matt Hancock is a man so nondescript his driving licence probably has no pick and just a caption saying, imagine dreariness in a shirt. Matt Hancock is politics version of Tim Lovejoy. He's a Bash Street kid. He's what happens if you aim a hairdryer at a chipmunk. Matt Hancock is a man who always looks like he's about to tell you a really boring story about the day he wore on socks. Matt Hancock is a stupid apple. He's a bewildered gopher. He's a life vessel for teeth. Matt Hancock is that drama teacher who tries to invite himself on a student's night out. That's actually based on a drama teacher I had at school who we all thought was cool and then was really creepy when he came out on a night out with all of us. Ah, fun real life. Matt Hancock is a face drawn on an apple. Already done that one, haven't I? I just obviously didn't remember that, that several weeks before I'd said something similar. I'm so rubbish. Matt Hancock is an enthusiastic children's dog puppet. He's a Beano character. Already done that one too with Bash Street Kids. Uh, he's a champion five-head. He's Mr. Ratburn's partner in Arthur. Now, that was quite obscure, but there's a cartoon called Arthur. In it, there's a character called Mr. Ratburn, his partner, Matt Hancock. Go look it up. Go look it up now. Yeah, he is. It's exactly him. Matt Hancock is a gormless bollard. He's a personification of pulling your trousers up too highly, which he then did several weeks later um, uh, for some event he went to. So uh, it's like, I knew. Weird. Matt Hancock is what if the Sonic movie designers drew Olaf from Frozen? And then, like a week later, I said, what if Olaf from the Frozen films was even more unlikable? Jesus, get some new ones. Matt Hancock is Jimmy Neutron's thick twin. He's an elbow patch. He's a stupid grape. He's a man who I'm certain still has his name written on tags in his underwear, otherwise he'll try and put on a dishcloth or pretzel or something. Matt Hancock is the matey shampoo mascot. He absolutely is. Like, look it up. He is. He's Woody from Toy Story, but shit. I mean, he's not, but he would be if Woody was shit. He's a dog-chewing toy. He's hair glued to a crash test dummy. He's a walking apology. He's Spotty from Super Ted. He's a face you made on your plate using only vegetables. He's a sorry insole. Oh, he's only allowed to take calls for delivery as we don't trust him with the pizzas. Matt Hancock is the sort of man who boasts about winning a talent contest without revealing that no one else entered it. He's a foam shrimp. He's the world's saddest quaver crisp. He's the sort of person who buys all the now that's what I call music compilations to be down with the kids. He's a nervous scallop. He's a shin pad for a head. He's the my dinger ling kid. Again, Google it. He really is. He's a man who definitely carries around his school swimming certificates just in case. He's one long forehead. He's the one who always looks as though he'd say he's into the Spice Girls just to impress some kids. I mean, it's a variation of an earlier one, but also kind of the same. He's an upside down scarab beetle for a face. He, go, go look at a picture of a scarab beetle, turn it upside down, Matt Hancock's face. He's a tragic no mask. Those are the uh, Japanese theatre masks. If you look up uh, the tragic one, often Matt Hancock's face. 
Oh God, who left the work experience kid in charge? He's a startled butterbean. That, I'm pretty sure, is the best one I've ever done. He 100% looks like a startled butterbean. Two weeks later, I then said frightened butterbean. Not as good. Not as good. He's skin wrapped round in experience. He's the sort of person who calls builders mate and assumes they'll immediately like him. He's a scrapped Peanuts character. I'm thinking of like a really hateable Linus. He's a pig in spam kit. I don't know what that means. Matt Hancock, aka what if there was a Japanese mascot for back alley surgery? That's just cruel, isn't it? But sort of true. He's a drawing of a Canadian in South Park. I'm thinking like Terence or Philip. Oh no, I just farted. That guy, that one. He's a talking Nerf bullet. He's a man who definitely tries to impress his kids by showing them he knows all the words to a rap but changes all the swears to things like, oopsie. He's a Japanese Uber no mask. It's the same one again, isn't it? But also that's even more specific than last time. Uh, He's an undercooked flatbread. He's a Victorian spoon. Matt Hancock, aka how to have a furrowed brow for your entire face. He's Mr. Poopy Butthole in Rick and Morty. He absolutely is. He's human worry lines. Matt Hancock is a dad who's so cringe he embarrasses other people's kids too. He's a man whose mirrors in his home have to contain a picture of someone else in case he catches sight of his face and cringes so hard he gets rigor mortis. He's a terrified baked bean. He's the parent at the playground that other parents pick up their kids late just to avoid. That's also based on someone I know. He's a gormless chopping board. He's a man who definitely makes explosion noises as he bumps elbows with people. He's a sad trowel. And that's all for this week's Partly Political Broadcast podcast. Uh, normal service will resume next week, maybe, possibly. I mean, I don't know. Things are going on now, aren't they? People have got lives and shit. See, this is why I should do all the COVID restriction lifting news. Yeah, it'll probably be 5 of July the 19th, but who can say? You may as well not stress. Cupper anyone? Actually, then I'd have to make a lot of cuppers, wouldn't I? Like, a lot of cuppers. I'm really glad it's not my job. I mean, the people that do it are shit, but I... Glad I'm not doing it. I've got stuff to do, like me. I'm over and very tired. Uh, if you enjoy the lack of cuppers that come with this show, then please do tell others who can make their own cuppers to give it a listen while they do. Uh, please also donate to the Patreon, Kofi or Acast supporter sites, and maybe even give this show a fancy review if you so wish. Muchas gracias to Acast, my brother the last sceptic, and Cat Day, and this will be back next week when Sajid Javin announces that he will end the culture of giving COVID contracts to friends, but only on account of him not having any. Bye! This week's show is sponsored by... of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.